as some of you, some of you that have been, are mature, you've heard of uh, Elmo. Elmo Rogers was a uh, was a pastor in uh, mid southern Illinois, in mid Illinois, and he pastored there for years. Elmo Rogers was a very interesting man. He was kind of an eccentric fellow, wasn't he? Very eccentric. Uh, uh, and most people that are musical are eccentric. They're, they're just different. Musical people are, are different. That doesn't, you say they're weird? No, they're just different. They're just different. And, uh, and those of you that are musicians, would you agree with that? Musicians? I don't know. I looked away. <laughs> but he was different. He was different. But he wrote a song several years ago that was picked up by the Oak Ridge Boys and by several other uh, southern gospel groups. And I'm going to ask Sister Maynard to come up here. Uh, where do the rest of our musicians go? They are, all right. Come on up here, Brother Dwayne. Uh, come on up here, Brother Adrian. You need to learn this song, all right? And I'm going to ask Sister Maynard to come up here. And he's saying this old, oh, okay, there's Brother Steve. Come on up here one more time. And uh, I, will be, I will be short here today, all right? But uh, he wrote this song, and it was entitled, After All, After All, After All. And the words are this, trials here are sometimes many, and at times my feet grow weary, till it seems I almost stumble then and fall. But the tender hand that leads me is the hand that keeps me steady, and by faith I know I'll make it after all. I like that. Trials here are sometimes many, and at times my feet Stay in that same key. See, it's so old, Sister Maynard doesn't know it. All right. Trials here are sometimes many. And at times my feet grow weary. Till it seems I'll almost stumble then and fall. But the tender hand that leads me is the hand that keeps me steady. And by faith, I know I'll make it after all. And after all, this life is over. And our burdens have been lifted And we stand upon that mountain top so tall Looking over to that city That the Savior is preparing Gives me faith that I can make it after all, it's an old one, I told you it was. By myself, I cannot make it, but I know He's there to help me. He will hear my cry if only I will call. Just keep trusting, keep on believing are the words I hear him whisper just a few more days to labor after all and after all this life is over and my burdens here have lifted and we stand upon the mountain top so tall Looking over in that city that the Savior is preparing gives me faith that I can make it after all. Sing it with me. Oh, after all, this life is over and my labor here has ended. I will climb upon the mountain top so tall looking over in the city that my Savior is preparing 
gives me grace that I will make it after all. Looking over and looking over in the city that my Savior is preparing gives me grace that I can make it after all. Amen. Amen. You believe that? Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. I believe you can make it after all. You can. You can. You can. So pardon the uh, frog in my voice. Amen. It's, I, don't know it ha- I don't know, as one person said, how it has room to live there. Amen. <laughs> With the rest of my stuff that I've got. Take your Bible and stand and let's read from the book of John, chapter 20. I had a uh, wonderful compliment this last week. I saw a man that I had not seen for a while. And um, uh, so he comes to me and he says, Wendell, he says, man, you sure are holding up good. And I thought, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. He said, your, say, your hair is the same color it was the last time I saw you. All of a sudden I thought, it's gray. He said, yes, you're right. You're holding up good. <laughs> okay, so you're holding up good here today. God bless you. Amen. John chapter 20. The Bible says in verse number 19, if you would direct your attention there, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Say that. Peace be unto you. Turn to someone near you and say that. Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. Turn again to someone and say, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Turn to someone else and say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And then he said, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, everybody say, but Thomas. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see his hands, the prince of the nails, and put my finger in the prince of the nails, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in his book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. My subject this morning, I really couldn't decide. So I'm going to preach to you from these titles. Here's my titles. Low Sunday. Thomas was not there, Thomas the realist, and what's it going to take, all right? You say, oh my goodness, this is going to be a three-hour sermon. No, I'm setting my timer now, and I do not have a red, uh, red part on that that says, warning, warning, Will Robinson. When I get to 30, I will be very close to being done. In Jesus' name, everybody say, God, let that prayer be true. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thomas was not there. Perhaps that's the thing that I will focus upon the most here. But I will allude to the rest of the uh, titles that I've said to you uh, here at the beginning of this message. The Easter story is the most hopeful passage in the Word of God. Easter is a time that I believe should be celebrated not just last week, but every single Sunday, and for that fact, every single day of the year. Much of the world thinks of resurrection 
uh, only one time each year, and they think of Easter or the resurrection. Some say, well, we don't believe in Easter. Well, okay, let's call it the resurrection, the resurrection Sunday. But many people don't believe just uh, one time a year, and that's all they celebrate. The church world has a name for Christians and, uh, who attend at Christmas time to celebrate the birth and at Easter time to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And the Christian world, the church world, they call these Christer Christians because they attend Easter Sunday and on Christmas as well. I had a pastor tell me one time that uh, uh, in regards to Christians uh, that, that come only on Easter and Christmas, he was very belligerent, and he says, I don't even want these hypocrites in my church. And I thought, oh, man, that's not a very good attitude for a pastor to be able to have. How can you help anybody if you have that attitude? And so I just smiled at him, and I politely said, well, send them the firstborn. We'll be happy to have them. <laughs> Amen. Send them on our way. We'll take any of them that you might have. And though I think we need to attend church more often than just Christmas and Easter, I believe that if a person will attend a service, uh, amen, there's something that can happen to them and change them in that moment when they're with the people of God, amen. And so when they come on Easter and on Christmas, I smile and I just say, it's so good to see you. I'll see you next week too, amen, amen, or I'll see you this, uh, uh, the next couple weeks or so. And the reason why is because I believe that something can happen in that service that will make a difference for the rest of their lives if they are there. Did you know that the Sunday after Easter is reportedly one of the lowest Sundays of the year? There is such a drastic drop on this Sunday, uh, the first Sunday after uh, Easter, that it has been traditionally called Low Sunday, and thus my title, Low Sunday. Low Sunday because uh, people figure that I punched the clock, I was there, and uh, now I don't have to go for at least until uh, Christmas time, or at least for three or four or five weeks. And uh, is it, why is it called Low Sunday? It's not because the flowers are less pretty today. It's not because uh, the Sunday is less beautiful than uh, last Sunday, although I will have to say last Sunday was much more beautiful than this Sunday with the rain that has come here. And it's not because the music is lesser or a lower caliber, because the music this week was just as excellent as the music last week. Why then is it called Low Sunday? It's because many in our society believe that uh, they need to celebrate the resurrection only once a year. And they show up in droves on Easter Sunday. And then they say, okay, that was nice. Now let's just move on with our lives. But the problem is God never designed for you and I to come to a church service or to begin to serve Him and they say that was nice, and then move on doing what we wanted to do in the first place and continue on without Him. Matter of fact, uh, there are, uh, you could go into the, uh, the uh, Costco or the Walmarts, or you could go into the um, Woodman's, and you can see that the attitude of the world is that we've moved on. Why? Because there are no lilies that are out there. And if you do find Easter lilies, they are in the reduced area in the bargain place. And there is no chocolate candy and all of that. You say, well, I don't even believe in that anyway. Okay, but, but again, this is evidence that we've done it, we're going to move on. Because to many, Easter and the resurrection is just a one-day event instead of every day that we live. Our text this morning in John chapter 20 tells the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was the first day of the week. It was the weekend of the resurrection, the, uh, the weekend of the crucifixion of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, the Bible says, she arrives early to discover the tomb where Jesus Christ was buried is empty. And though Mary was at this crucifixion and saw him die, she held on to her faith that he would rise again, and she held on like someone dangling over the Grand Canyon with a, holding on to a rope, believing that he was going to rise again. Perhaps this unfettered devotion is the very reason why she was the first one to discover that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And perhaps this great devotion in her life was the reason why that she became the first carrier of the good news. Her first action was to go and to tell Simon, Peter, and John, the beloved, and to tell them that Jesus was alive. And once she told them, together they traveled the short distance to the grave, 
And there they seen the stone that had been rolled away from the entrance. And the Bible says that Simon pushed Mary and John out of the way, and he rushed into that, that cave, that empty cavern that was there. And what he saw was nothing short of miraculous. The place where Jesus had lain was empty. The grave clothes, they were empty. And the napkin that was wrapped around his head, the Bible says it was folded neatly in a place set aside all by itself. I, uh, how difficult it was for them to believe because they had seen him hanging on that cross. They had heard his final words as he uttered, it is finished, and they saw his head and his body slump in death. They all felt the grief of their last goodbyes as the heavy stone was rolled into place. God, we believe, but it's so hard to believe in the face of what we have seen. I can hear Mary begin to answer their skepticism of John and Simon Peter as she said, but wait, I, I, I saw two angels in white apparel that, that were there with me, and I looked around, and he, say, said, uh, he said, uh, I, I asked them, where have you lain, my Lord? And then all of a sudden, there was a gardener that appeared, and, and I looked at the gardener, and I said, please tell me where you have laid the Lord, and I will go, and I will carry him back to his place of rest myself, only to discover in a moment that gardener spoke my name, and whenever he spoke my name, he said my name like no one else has ever said my name. He said, Mary. And uh, then I, I realized that this was not the gardener after all. This was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ that had risen from the dead. I saw him with my eyes. I, I saw him there and I spoke to him. And I'm telling you that he is alive and he is well. Verse 19 is where we begin our text today now. And the Bible says the same day at evening beginning the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples gathered together and, and they invited Mary Magdalene there to give her eyewitness testimony as to what she had seen. Here was the group of men that Jesus had chosen to be his closest followers. They would become the, the apostles, the, the, the foundation of the church, and, and they were gathering to be able to have a meeting. And you might say they were, they were, they were having an impromptu church service. Uh, they were gathered there because they were concerned about what had gone on, uh, and they wanted to learn more. And, and into that meeting came Mary, and as Mary began to testify, she began to tell them, Everything that she had seen and everything that she had heard and, and the voice of Jesus that had spoken to her. And there they dismiss Mary from their presence and then they begin to talk among themselves. And in the midst of their meeting, Jesus Christ shows up and the Bible says that he begins to speak to them, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. You see, the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, He showed up because they were gathered in His name. They were there not because of any other reason. They came because they wanted to seek the face of Jesus. They wanted God Almighty to speak to them and to give them hope and help in that time. Isn't that what we want when we come to a church service? When we come to a church service, I'm glad that I see you and I'm glad that I see other friends that I care for and that I love. But more than that, I want to see the face and the, and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in that place. We have not come to elevate a man or a woman. We have not come to elevate a denomination. We have come to elevate the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He is elevated, something begins to happen. Notice the Bible says because their focus was upon Him, He shows up. And three things happened in that upper room service that night. First of all, everyone there got happy. Let me say that one more time. The first thing that happened in that service, everyone there got happy. The Bible says, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
If there's ever a day that we need people to get happy, it is in 2021 on April the 11th, amen, right now in this service. We have so many things hanging over us, so many things that we're wondering about. What we need is a visitation of the Lord, and when He comes in, we need Him to elevate our sadness into a place of happiness and gladness. The word glad there is from the Greek word cheromenos. It means cheerful, joyful, jolly, delighted, jubilant, and glad. There's always joyful, delighted, jubilant gladness when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into the hearts of men and women and they see Him finally as He is. It's that moment that your faith reaches out in expectation to the risen Savior to say, Lord, I believe. I believe, Lord. I don't understand everything, but I believe. I take you by your word. And in that moment, gladness rises in our hearts that is comparable to nothing else. This is what Paul spoke of in Hebrews 1 and 9. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of glory gladness above thy fellows. This is where the song came from that says, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and will be glad. If there was ever a day we needed the visitation of Jesus in our services, it is today. And when he shows up, there will be gladness that will be for everyone. Somebody say amen. The second thing the Bible says that the people got, everyone got their peace. The storm of fear that had been raging in their hearts, it was now suddenly calm because of His presence. The storm may not have gone but the peace overrode the storm's intensity by saying, be still and know that I am God. Amen. The peace that came, it was an undeniable presence of Almighty God. The breath of God, amen, would bring that peace into that place. Someone asked, why God are you taking me through these stormy, dark, and deep waters? And the answer came back, because your enemy doesn't have a flag flashlight and because he doesn't know how to swim. Even though you might be in the waters and you might be in that place of storm, God can send you peace in the midst of the storm. God can speak to you and to your heart and though the storm is not calmed, he can calm the storm in your heart and let you know that everything is going to be all right. Peace I give unto you not as the world gives. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. There is a peace of God that passes all understanding. When he shows up, his peace is attached to that as well. All of this was there. The third thing that happened was everyone was promised the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just for a select group of few men and women. The Holy Ghost is for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Acts 2 and 39 says that. It's to whosoever will. If you want the Holy Ghost, God will give you the Holy Ghost. I ask people in times past before I pray for them, would you like the Holy Ghost? And some of them said yes. And wouldn't you know it when people say yes they receive the Holy Ghost but on the other hand some people said no and guess what they did not receive the Holy Ghost why because God will not force something on you that you do not want he is a gentleman he is a he is kind he is gentle and when you want something he will give it to you he promised everyone the Holy Ghost the Bible said when Jesus came into that place he directed his prophecy to them. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I believe this was a direct prophecy of Acts chapter 2. For when the disciples gathered together in Acts chapter 2, there was the wind of God, the breath of God that began to blow upon them. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one place and in one accord, there came suddenly the sound of a rushing mighty wind. What was this? This was the 
breath of God as he was breathing upon those men and women. And guess what? Every one of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to you this morning that everybody in this building, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. And if you want the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost. You've got to repent. You've got to ask God for the Spirit of God. And then you've got to open your mouth and begin to praise Him. And pretty soon your praise in English will give way to a praise in a heavenly language. And you'll speak in another tongue as the Spirit gives the utterance. All of this took place on a Sunday night church service, my friend. That's how a church service should look like. It should have gladness. It should have the peace of God. It should have the outpouring of the Spirit of God. God wants to do that to us. Every one of those men in that room struggled, though, with the resurrection. But one little lady visited by angels in the touch of the Lord Jesus in her life came there with faith which set them on the right path and declared to them that He is alive. It didn't take everyone to believe that Jesus was alive. We get the messed up idea that that everybody's got to be on the same page. No, it helps as everybody's on the same page. We get the idea that there can't be any doubt that is there. No, it helps if there is doubt that is eliminated there. All it takes is one individual that has seen and had an experience. And you let them get up and begin to testify. In this case, it was a woman. And she got up. I can't believe that she just, oh, you know, he's alive. No, she got excited about what she saw. There was a burning fire in her heart because the fact that Jesus died. But now he's alive. And I'm here to preach to you and to be the evangelist God called me to be. Come on, apostles. Get up. Amen. Yes, he died. And I know that your faith is low. But I'm telling you, I saw him. I saw him. He's alive and well. And no sooner had she departed from that building, Jesus walked in and said, she was right. Everything she said was right. I'm telling you, it don't take everybody. It just takes somebody in order for a great revival to happen. And this was Easter Sunday. But the Bible says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. He weren't. And so they told him and They said, we've seen the Lord. You know what he said? He said, except I shall see in his hands, verse 25, the prince of the nails and put my finger in the prince of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, why wasn't Thomas there? Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't Thomas show up? Thomas was a good man. You know, we beat up on Thomas. We say, doubting Thomas. But they all doubted. They showed up, maybe with a plastic smile on their face. You say, I know, I hate that when people do that. Brother, if you're going through a problem and you've got lack of faith, at least act like you've got some faith. I I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I ain't going to be a hypocrite. I said, you're doing a very bad job of it. And what he meant was that I'm not going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. I said, nobody wants you to pretend that you're somebody that you're not or something that you're not. All I'm asking you to do is exercise some faith. Put the key in the starter and at least turn the thing to see if it'll crank. Don't just sit there with your keys in your pocket and say, no, it don't run. Of course it don't run. Put the key in there and turn it. It's like, give it some gas. 
bump that thing a little bit. Our problem is when we have no faith in our life, we broadcast that to everybody. And the devil cannot read your mind, but he can read your act. Oh, help me somebody. He reads your actions. He sees how you act. He sees what you do. Amen. And so when I have low faith, you say, you never have low faith. I have low faith regularly, my friend. You know why? Because I'm so much like you. That's right. So what do I do? I take the key out of my pocket. I get in the car. I put it in there. I turn it. And even though it cranks and cranks and cranks, then I feel like, no, I've got to do something else. I start pumping that accelerator. And then once I pump that accelerator, I just keep on until the thing starts running again. You say, well, what if it don't get running? I'll call somebody to give me a jump. Some of you need to call somebody to give you a... Don't just sit there with your doubt, amen, and in your misery and, and be all by yourself. Somebody said, misery loves company. Yes, it does. Amen. But when I show up, I'm not going to be misery with you. I'm going to tell you why God can, God will, and God's going to. I'm going to pump up some faith in you. Sometimes we need a jump. And Thomas just needed a jump. Right? All right. So why wasn't he there? Did he finally get disgusted with believing? And then he just threw up his hand and said, Forget this. I'm out of here, Jack. I'm done. Did his pragmatic ways... Get in the way of his faith. For after all, I saw the Lord die. I saw him put in the tomb. But he was so much like all of the other disciples who struggled to believe also. But I suggest that maybe Thomas was just a little bit more transparent than the rest. Help me, Jesus. He said it like he saw it for himself. Now, that's not always good. Did you know that Thomas is called Didymus? How'd you like to be called Didymus? That even sounds bad, don't it? Hey, Didymus, what's up? We'll start calling you Didymus. We'll call you Diddy for short. No, you're not. When you get up on that mountain, say, come on, preach Diddy. I mean... I mean, pitch. Maybe that wasn't a slip. <laughs> but you know what the name Didymus means? It means twin. Thomas the twin. Some scholars believe that he was in fact a twin, while others said it was a nickname given to him because he was slight of stature, and so they called him the twin. The twin. If I were to ascribe an occupation to Thomas, he would probably be a structural engineer. Complete with a pocket protector <laughs> and pens and a little ruler there so he could pull it out and start measuring everything. And then he probably had this little magnifying glass attached to his glasses he could pull down and really scrutinize things. Are you with me here? Come on. Thomas was not the guy who checked his brain at the door. But he thoughtfully followed the Lord. As I said, some have demeaned him by calling him Thomas the Doubter or Doubting Thomas. But, but maybe, 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 maybe that he was just Thomas the, the realist. Maybe. Whatever the reason that he was not there, he was absent on Easter Sunday. And because of that, he missed the visitation of God. And because of that, he had no peace, he had no gladness, and he had no hope. 
When people don't attend services on a regular basis, there is usually a lack of gladness, there is a lack of peace, and there is a lack of the Holy Ghost in their lives. I'll get to something we'll shout about in a minute. And Thomas declared, I was there, I saw him die. I listened as his last rasping breaths, they escaped his lungs piercing the air. I will not believe unless I see his hands and his feet where the nails were driven and unless I touch that, 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 that spirit-driven side. What Thomas saw affected his faith so much that now he was between presumption and promise. What he saw allowed him to presume something, amen, that went against the promise that God Almighty had given. What was the presumption? He saw him die. He saw him taken from the cross. He saw him wrapped in grave clothes. He saw him put in the grave. He saw the stone rolled into his place. And then he presumed that that's the way it is forever. But he forgot there was a promise. And the promise came from the same Savior that died. And the promise was this. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. He forgot that he, the words of Jesus when they said, we're going to take your life from you. And Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down freely and I'm going to take it up again. He forgot that there was going to be a resurrection. And on the other side of his presumption, God was going to say, I'm going to answer everything you've seen with my promise once more to show you I'm an on-time God. Yes, I am. I might not have come when you wanted me to but I'm always right on time and so verse 26 as I come to a close after eight days again his disciples were within eight days uh, the next weekend and Thomas was with them then came Jesus and notice the Bible says the doors being shut. And he stood in the midst and said, here it is, peace be unto you. Because in every church service, there's always going to be what? Peace be unto you when he shows up. If you don't leave with peace in your heart from that church service, something's wrong with you or something happened in that service so that Jesus didn't show up. You say, what do I do? You just keep praising Him. You just keep claiming peace. You just keep thanking Him and He will show up after a while. And when you're done, you will leave with peace in your heart. Notice it says that He came into the room where the doors were shut. Never underestimate the power of Jesus Christ to get through closed doors. Some of you are sitting here today and you say, the, the, my family doors have been shut. My, my financial doors have been shut. Notice it says the doors, not door, but the doors were shut. They were closed. And yet, Jesus did not need somebody, hey, could you give me a key? I need to get into this door. I need to get into this other room. No, no, he just walked right through that door that was there. You know why? Because he can walk through any obstacle that we place before him. Nothing, nothing bothers him. He is Almighty God. And so he walked through that doors. How many of you are experiencing closed doors right now? The door of opportunity is shut a long time ago, you say. The door on my career, my family, my finances, my ministry. The door is not only shut, but guess what? It's bolted. No, it's double bolted. Well, that doesn't matter to Jesus. Some of you say, too much water under this bridge. Too many problems have been had. And as each of these things happened, you could hear the doors in your life slam one by one. Bang, 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 bang. Like a highly fortified compound. No one gets in and no one's getting out. If any of this describes your situation, let me remind you that Jesus Christ is the God that does not need an open door. All He needs is a hungry heart and a man or a woman that's crying out to Him. And when that happens, He will come through every obstacle to get where you're at. 
I don't have time, but I could talk about the closed doors in Scripture and how that he stepped through all of those closed doors. A good church service should always have a visitation of Jesus Christ. A little boy wrote a note to Jesus one day saying, Dear Jesus, come on, musicians, otherwise I'll preach the rest of the day. I got to save something for tonight, all right? He said, Dear Jesus, we had a nice service today. I sure wish you could have been here. <laughs> when I read that, it's so cute. And yet sometimes it's so true. We look for everybody else but Jesus. Oh, wonder why so-and-so wasn't there. Has anybody ever asked, why didn't Jesus show up? All the music was good. Singing was awesome. But why doesn't anybody ask, why didn't Jesus show up? I like to see my friends. I like fellowship, I like the music, I like the laughter but if Jesus never shows up we did not have church come on, am I right about it? he has promised he will show up if we gather in his name if we gather in his name he said I will be there so I've asked the Lord this morning this all week, I've said, Jesus, would you show up in the services on Sunday? Lord, would you show up? And you know what he told me? He said, I'll be happy to be there. <laughs> I'll be there. And I will bring hope, gladness, peace, and the Holy Ghost. Did you know what the next thing the Lord told those in that second service, eight days later, in both services, one week apart, there was peace that was given. This is why you need to show up for church service when you can. Because when we do, peace comes in our lives. You know what else showed up in that place? Answered prayer. Answered prayer. He said, how's that? Well, Thomas said, I'll not believe unless he appears before me. The Lord says, bang, okay. Gets in church that next week. And here's Jesus. He said, hey, Thomas, how you doing? Oh, don't mind that. That's just the scars in my hand that you asked to see. Oh, my feet? Yeah, look at them. They got places where the nails were at. Oh, here, let me pull my shirt up. See that? Come here and put your hand in my side. I just come to let you know that I heard your prayer request, and I come to answer it. I come to let you know that I hear you when you pray. You're sitting here today and you say, God doesn't hear my prayers. I'm telling you, God does hear your prayers. God hears your prayers. You just keep on praying. You just keep on believing. Amen. And in that moment, he went from presumption to promise saying, Lord, I don't even see where he put his hand in his, in his nail prints. I don't see where he touched his side. All he said, he said, my Lord and my God. <laughs> All of a sudden he said, yeah, I believe. I'm going from presumption to promise because I know now that he has touched my heart and touched my life and he is alive. But you know what he had to do? He had to get rid of his limited earthly mindset in order for him to see and embrace the promise of God. It was said that in every meeting that Henry Ford would conduct, he would stand outside of the meeting room and he would tell the engineers, he says, give me your pencils and give me your rulers. <laughs> so interesting. You say, why did he do that? The reason why he did that, because he says, inadvertently, he says, when I begin to tell about my vision, I would, I would look at these engineers and they would pull out their pencils and they would pull out their rulers and they would begin to try and figure out how it's going to be done. And he said, I didn't want them to try to figure it out. They were measuring what I was saying to see if it would work. And so I said, leave your rulers outside. Can I talk to somebody today? I believe that God is asking you and me to lay down our little rulers that we measure the master with and the things that he said he's going to do. Well, Lord, let me just lay my ruler on this. How can you lay your ruler on the eternal, almighty, 
promises of Almighty God. How can you do that? You have to lay that aside. When David came to the valley, when the giant threatened Israel, he watched while the skilled warriors hid behind the rocks. You know why? Because they measured with a mediocre ruler of flesh. But when David got there, he cast all his human And he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. He says, but I come to you with a promise. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And because of that, David went from being a sheep herder to a giant killer embracing the promises of God. Finally, in a good church service, there's a call for commitment. And that's what Thomas did. He made a commitment saying, my Lord and my God. So as I come to a close today, one of the great attributes of God among the many is His opportunity to give us to believe. He gives us every opportunity to believe. He wants us to believe in Him and His resurrection. His promises so much that He's willing to go beyond and to wait with us a long time. He challenges our presumptions by giving us His promises. And one by one, He eliminates our excuses and our human reasoning until suddenly we are face to face with an insistence of a decision to believe or not to believe. Maybe you're here today. Where, where are you at? You want to believe, but there are too many obstacles, too many things between you and faith in God, too, many, too much water under the bridge, too many things have happened. But if you're sincere, God will work with you. He'll eliminate every obstacle until the only thing that remains is you having to make a decision. And so I talked about Low Sunday. I talked about Thomas was not there. I told you that Thomas was a realist. And so I closed this morning with this question. What are you going to do? And what's it going to take for you to make that decision? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that you place in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for every, every promise. There is always a challenge that we will meet with. But I pray for the people of God this morning that you would meet that, that, that challenge with more promises of God. Help us to exercise faith. Help us not to be unbelieving. But, Lord, help us to believe. For, Lord, as we believe, all things become possible. Thank you for elevating our faith today in the name of Jesus. Let's stand, can we? And we want to pray for Sister Marlena this morning. God bless you, Sister Marlena. Here, you sit down right here, okay? Turn up a chair, brother. I wonder if you just, we're going to bring a chair for Sister Marlena. She said she has been in pain since about 5.30 this morning. Go ahead and sit down, sister. That's all right. This is one of the most faithful Christian ladies that I've ever met. She is a wonderful, wonderful person. And we want to pray for her. We want to pray for peace. We want to pray for God to give her comfort and for God to have his way. Would you stretch forth a hand and let's pray for her right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for our dear sister Marlena. God, that you would touch her. Lord, you have healed her body in times past of cancer. You've raised her up over 30 years ago, Lord. We remember, we saw it. We rejoiced with her when the doctor said she was not going to live. And you gave her 30, no, you gave her 36, 37 more years. And God, you're the same today. Even though the doctors might give... Uh, a bleak prognosis. You are the God that is able to go beyond those things. We measure with physical rulers, Lord. But Lord, you measure with eternity. We measure with our ability and man's ability and what we know. But you measure, Lord, with your limitless ability and your limitless power. And so we pray for our sister today. We pray healing. We pray 
wellness. We pray, God, that you would take away this nausea. We pray, God, that you would bring her peace in her heart. We pray, God, that you would just strengthen her in this time. We commend her to you, Lord, knowing that you will do what is right. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glad to have Sister Marlena's uh, brother and family with her here today. God bless them and all her, her nieces and nephews. Amen. Come on in this house. Why? Don't you come on in this house? Oh, now, why don't you? Let's worship just for a few moments before we leave. Come on in this house and praise the Lord. Oh, now, why don't you come on? Come on in this house. We're going. 